Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This, of course, the very special Pickups edition. We're recording on Monday ahead of the Monday night game, so don't blame us if uh, there's mayhem in that one. I am, of course, merely Andy Barons, uh, your usual host, and I'm joined by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are you? Uh, I'm just lovely, Andy. How you doing? Lovely. I, this might be the first show in which you've been lovely. Um, I'm great, actually. I'm I'm really good. Thanks. It was. Uh, not a totally satisfying day of football, but it was fine. the The Sunday night game was fun. It's a, it's encouraging. You need some things to set your watch by. Week nine was all about the failure, right? How did Buffalo lose to Jacksonville? <laughs> Why did Dallas not show up in their game against the um, against the who beat Dallas two weeks ago? Buc- Denver somehow, Denver, some way, yeah, somehow the Broncos did it right. You know stuff like that. The Chiefs had been in a almost month long funk, and then in week ten. You know, the Bills did their thing. Stephon Diggs had his best game of the year. Pretty much every play that Dallas called seemed to work. Their running game wasn't great, but CeeDee Lamb had a day. And then when you see Patrick Mahomes, whether you roster Patrick Mahomes or not, we need some certain tenants. You know, we need some certain facts to be undeniably true. And Patrick Mahomes being a great football player needs to be one of those facts. Yes. And last night against the Vegas Raiders, Patrick Mahomes was one of the signature players in the NFL. And it's just nice to have that back. I... I have one team that needs Mahomes. I have many teams that don't benefit at all when the Chiefs play well. But, you know, this isn't about me. I just want Patrick Mahomes to play well. And I want the Chiefs to be an offense. And look, I picked against them. I I don't have any problem with that. They've been a horrible bet for a year. But it's nice to see the Chiefs back in form and and the Cowboys back in form and the Bills back in form. Nobody likes watching. Like You think of that Steelers-Lions game, right? Where it felt like both teams had 17 possessions in overtime and nobody scored. I feel like if, if that game had to play to a score, I think they'd still be playing unless somebody scored on defense. It it felt like a 12-hour game. It did. And, and and Dan Campbell trying to prolong it with calling timeouts on defense when all he's doing is <laughs> ensuring that the Steelers would have enough time to get in field goal range because you know, Dan Campbell plays for the win. When you're a winless team, Andy... When you're a winless coach and you get the tie, do they pour a cup of water on Dan Campbell? Is, is there any <laughs> celebration? That's a really good question. Do you give out game balls? I don't know. I don't know the the tie protocol. By the way, did you see that Najee Harris did not know that you can tie in the in the NFL? Like, how is it that there are still players, however many years after Donovan McNabb, how are players still saying that they don't know they can tie? That's in what the he NFL? meant. That's an homage to Donovan McNabb, and and maybe he's angling for a <laughs> chunky soup commercial or something, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so cheers to you. Cheers to you, Harris. And cheers to the Lions. Cheers to the I mean, I mean Jared Goff against Mason Rudolph. You know, it's, it's hard a shame to tie, we only man. see that every four years. Right. Because <laughs> that, that's a game. <laughs> Maybe they'll meet again in the Pro Bowl or something. They still have the Pro Bowl, whatever they do at the end of the season. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong. But my friend Ricky O'Donnell had a great tweet about that. Like, how is it that every young boy in America grows up wanting to be an NFL quarterback and somehow we still get Jared Goff versus Mason Rudolph? Like, it's amazing. It's a beautiful time. I, I just got the Steelers didn't win that game because they nobody deserved. In fact, I'm petitioning the NFL to say that both teams should get losses for that game. If ever there's a game that nobody deserved <laughs> to get anything, any credit, I don't mind ties though. I kind of like the way they muck up the standings. 
totally, totally agree with that. Well, let's let's get the stink of that game uh, away from this podcast uh, uh, as much as we can. We'll try not to mention it again. Um, before we get into the pickups, I, I do want to note for people that the trade deadline in, you know, if you play in a league with Yahoo default settings, your, your trade deadline is like five days away. Your trade deadline comes ahead of Thanksgiving you're probably the best person on staff to talk strategy with. So why don't you just give the people one or two tips to remember as they attempt to negotiate the final trades of their season? Yeah, I'll give you two things I want you to keep in mind. One, say there's a player you want to trade. Okay, you want to trade Cortland Sutton for whatever reason. Okay, maybe you want to trade Jacoby Myers. You finally scored a touchdown. He's coming on like crazy. (laughs) You just, let's just say let's we'll say Sutton's the guy you want to trade or Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's a better name. You want to trade Amari Cooper. You do not scream out to your room, Amari Cooper's available. Amari Cooper's on the block. You say, I have good receiver depth. Are you interested yeah. in one of my receivers and let them come to Cooper or whoever it is you're trying to move? Also, this is especially for you in keeper leagues, right? I see this all the time. A team is buried in the standings. They're getting ready for next year. They need to make a trade where they sell off pieces they can't keep for you know next year, picks, whatever. That's perfectly reasonable. But it's so common for the person in that position of selling off to take the first trade they get offered. They don't make it clear to everybody that their stuff's in play. You have the power. The people who are challenging for the, for the championship, they desperately want your players. Create a bidding yeah. war. Let people know, yes, I'm really close to trading Cooper Cup, but you know, I'm willing to listen to your offer before I pull the trigger, you know, stuff like that. Don't don't just take, you know, your basketball team, right? You have 24 or 30 seconds, depending if it's pro or college, to work around for a good shot. Just don't get over half court and jack something up. Work the ball around. Try to get a good shot. Make sure you engage multiple people because the people who are trying to win that league, they're desperate to get to you. You have the pieces that can put them over the top. So make sure you use that leverage to your advantage. Fantasy football, at the end of the day, Andy, is all about leverage. You know, that second thing is just such a good point because I can't tell you how often somebody will, you know, they'll tweet at me about a trade offer that they have and they'll ask if I think it's acceptable. And often I'll be like, yeah, it's at the outer edge, I guess, of what I would consider acceptable, but I would make sure that I've shopped around before I before I take this. And it's clear that this is just the first offer that came in and they were ready to hit accept, even though it it might be kind of fringy and it might be kind of questionable. So I I think that happens just a ton. And, you know, like you and I are obviously in the habit of trying to maximize any trade asset that we have. I know I know that like before you make a deal, there's usually an email that goes out to the league, right, about, uh, you know, the availability of of any number of players. And I feel like I try to approach trades in the same way. And I am surprised at how often I hear from people who are just looking at an offer and in their head, it's just like I'm yes or no on this thing. And there, there are no other options to me when in fact, the, the entire league is available to you. You should be, you know, if you're, if you're looking to trade whoever, there's bound to be, if it's a useful player, there's bound to be somebody else in that league that's also interested in them. I also know this is a painfully obvious thing, but a lot of people don't do it. Let's again, put you in the position where you have receiver depth. You need a running back. Just do a little bit of legwork and look around the league and see, oh, okay, this guy's got really good running back room and he just lost Robert Woods or he's got some really good players coming up on a bye week or something. And then you can go to them and say, hey, I was auditing the rosters. It looks like I got depth at receiver. You have depth at running back. Maybe we can find a fit here. Just just do a little bit of legwork. Do a little bit of auditing. You know, If you're trying to trade a quarterback and somebody has you know, Dak Prescott – He's not going to want a quarterback, you know, that that guy is of no use to you. So don't, yep. you know, maybe or him or her. So maybe don't waste their time. But you're looking for also, you know, we still are in the middle of bye week season. Right. So another great way to finalize a trade is see who's screwed by bye weeks, especially teams that might be around 500 or under 500. They can't wait. You know, so you're sitting there with a seven and two record, seven and three, whatever. Find the team that needs to win desperately this week that has good players on by. Maybe you'll be able to swing a trade. I, I couldn't say yes to it ultimately, but I'm going to leave with Frank Schwab where he needed to win this week. Joe Mixon was on by, and we were working around a Joe Mixon trade. We didn't get anything done because we just didn't have the fits elsewhere. But because Mixon didn't help him this week and he really needed to win, it, he was motivated to trade one of his best players. Yeah, two things. two things I guess I'll throw into this discussion. One, it is okay in certain circumstances to take a small loss on a trade toward the goal of winning a league, right? If you're fixing a roster problem that is that is glaring and and has been a, an issue for you all year, um, the the goal, like 
this is another thing where I, I feel like I hear from a number of people who are still at this sort of late hour in the fantasy season who are still asking me if they want to trade. And I always try to tell them it's not it's not really about winning trades. You don't get bonus points in your league for for winning the trade on the value side. Did you actually make your active roster any better? Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve, you know, and that and that ties into another point I wanted to make, which is that, um, you know, when, when we think about roster depth and fantasy, it is enormously important at the start of a season, right? It gets you through the buys. It gets you through the inevitable injuries, suspensions, whatever else is going to come up and, and hit you throughout the year. But roster depth is something that means a little bit less each week. And by the time we get to December, it means very little, right? Like y- y- you get this one last opportunity this week, most of you with the trade deadline looming to to really maximize, you know, whatever depth you've collected over the course of the season and, and build the best possible starting roster. And once we hit like week 14, week 15, that is what you want to have. And it's not so much about making the, the sit start decisions as easy as possible. It's just, it's just that that's winning time, right? Like we don't care that much who our best running back off the bench is when the buys are done. And, and when we get into the actual money weeks of the season. So this is, you know, this is the final week to make that like three for two or two for one trade that, that gets rid of a little bit of depth and helps build the best possible starting roster for the most important weeks of the fantasy season. Great point. I'll duck in a couple really quick other things I want people to consider. If I were a Dalvin cook manager, I would not make it mandatory before the season to get Alexander Madison. Now it's a much better time where, again, you don't need that roster depth. You, maybe your bye weeks are mostly in the rearview mirror. A lot more time. I think it's a bit, much better time to get Alexander Madison now if Cook is on your roster. Also, I, I will field occasionally questions from people who have two good starting quarterbacks. Maybe, maybe you drafted Dak Prescott. Oh, that's a great maybe, point, yeah. Maybe you took a, a flyer on Jalen Hurts, Okay. Try to trade one of them, and I know you're going to say, well, nobody needs a quarterback. I've tried. The offers I got are a joke. Well, you know what you do? Trade, say, Jalen Hurts for 60%, 70% of his value to a team that can't hurt you, to somebody who's two and eight. Make them stronger so they can beat one of your opponents that you're challenging with. You know, Maybe you don't trade them to a team that come back to hurt you. You can check out the schedule and everything. If you have depth at quarterback, you really just have to saddle up to one guy and accept that you're not going to get a – you're not – again – you said this earlier, you don't have to take a paper win on every trade. The goal is to make your team more formidable to win a championship. So I totally will sign off on you. I'm not saying give away Jalen Hurts. Don't trade him for a place kicker or a defense or something like that. But stop thinking you have to win this Jalen Hurts trade if you have two really good quarterbacks. And also, you know, if you have a position like that, say nobody believes in Hurts, right? But you do. Maybe you trade Dak Prescott. You know, may- yeah. Maybe you trade Tom Brady. You know, tra- let – the market dictate which one, if you can't decide which player you prefer at a position, you somehow you fell into two good tight ends. I don't know how anybody might have done that, but maybe you have <laughs> Pat, Pat Fryermuth and, and you have Kyle Pitts. You can't start both of them every week. Put them both in the market and see who they like more, and then that can dictate which way you go forward. Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that. Number one, because it's a perfect example of maybe taking a small loss on a trade to improve your roster. And number two, because I like on Sunday mornings before we before uh, Fantasy Football Live kicks off, I do this like 30 minute live stream, maybe an hour before the show. And I, I feel like the people could actually see me getting mad this week because I took a handful of questions from folks like it's. It's mid-November and I got people asking me if they should start. I think one of the questions was Dak Prescott or Matthew Stafford. Another question was maybe Stafford or Rogers. And there was there was like a third. And it was like, what what are we doing here? Um, like I, I know that maybe nobody in your 12-person league necessarily needs a quarterback, but I can flat out guarantee that even if people don't think they need a quarterback, they're interested in Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott. Um, and you're, you're probably not going to need that depth at this point. And if you're in a one quarterback league and the worst happens and something, you know, you end up keeping Stafford, something happens to him later in the year, you're going to be able to plug and play it. I just find it frustrating for someone to keep an absolute like top five fantasy court, like a pair of top five fantasy quarterbacks on their roster in a league where they can only start one. And remember, you know, we're still navigating bye weeks and we're still dealing with COVID, right? So does anybody need a quarterback in your league? Well, the Kyler Murray team needed a quarterback for a couple of weeks, right? There was a week that Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Ben Roethlisberger is a lesser player now, but he wasn't available in week 10. So when you hear that news, this is how you think like a fantasy manager, right? When when we hear the news that Kyler Murray isn't available, you go to that team and see, do I have something that fills that need? Or, or should I be in a deeper league? Should I be picking up Colt McCoy or, you know, God forbid, Mason Rudolph, uh, as much as I hate to talk about that <laughs> offense. 
So just some things to keep in mind. And I realize for a lot of people out there, this is probably second nature, but everything, every piece of news that comes through fantasy has, you know, there's a new player who steps up. There's a spillover to the rest of the offense. It may affect the opposing defense or maybe even the opposing offense's game plan. These things are all interrelated and you have to see the cascade effect of any piece of major NFL news. All right, that's quite enough trade talk. Um, hopefully it was moderately helpful for you guys. Let's get into the pickups and let's start at running back. First of all, we should mention uh, any new injuries. And I, like I, obviously I think the biggest one this week at the running back spot is Aaron Jones suffered a, a knee injury on Sunday afternoon. It looked, uh, it looked pretty grim when it happened, but the subsequent reports have been relatively positive. It's apparently an MCL we're talking one or two weeks here. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a significant injury. So that's great news for Jones. Obviously, you know, he, his, his, uh, roster percentage is well above 50%. But if you happen to be, let's say you're in a 10 team league and eight team league and AJ Dillon is out there on the waiver wire, he would of course be the priority ad this week. Um, he's just a great player anyway. Right. And he's, uh, he was already having a really good season. So he's probably not available to you. I think his roster percentage was something like 75% as it should be. He's obviously in for an uptick over the next couple of weeks. The the guys that I I'll tell you the two guys that that I actually wrote up in the pickups column this week were number one, Ramondre Stevenson, because I thought he looked great, had a huge workload, 114 total yards, took the full workload with uh with Damian Harris sidelined by the by the concussion. Obviously, you know, I feel like Ramondre is a guy that we've talked about in it at various times on this podcast throughout the season. He's clearly now, if not fully in the circle of trust. He is out of that weird circle where he might be active or inactive on game day. Who knows? Who knows what the status for Ramondre is going to be in any given day? He's we're past that. Like he plays. He's a regular part of the rotation. Even with Harris in action two weeks ago, it was Ramondre that actually led the team in rushing and receiving had a really good day. So I, I think he probably falls into a situation in which. Um, I don't know if it's a 50-50 split. I don't know if it's 60-40. I don't know what it looks like, but they're comfortable throwing to him. He's had some nice moments as a receiver, and he's clearly a really good back, and he's been, he was great at the goal line on Sunday. So he was, for me, the priority at running back. And then I also wrote up a player who I find really problematic, um, and it's Deontay Foreman. Uh, this, this Tennessee committee, man, like that was a... I found it to be a really tough watch, mostly because I still have a lot of lingering sadness over the Derrick Henry injury. And it is impossible for me to watch this Titans committee and not think that Derrick Henry would have like tripled their yardage. My problem with Foreman and I'll get the good stuff out of the way first, like Foreman played 35% of the snaps, led the team in rushing for what that's worth. Not a particularly great day on the ground. Did have a 39 yard reception on a really well-designed and well-executed uh, uh, screen. Um, Tennessee did that really well. My my problem with Foreman is that the first person who touches him always tackles him. Um, that, has been, that has been consistent in these two games. Maybe that will change. And I actually, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on, on the analytics sites, but I, I browsed over, uh, I... I flipped over to, to PFF this morning just to just to see if this is one of those cases where he was some sort of secret analytics stud and I was missing it. And no, he is not yet forced to miss tackle this year. It's only two games. It's only two games. I just feel like Foreman has had a couple of situations where he gets a really nice runway and he just throws himself into somebody. And I have found it very difficult to watch. But he is now the guy who seems to be playing the most snaps. He it was mostly still Adrian Peterson at the goal line for whatever that's worth. Anyway, nobody was great. I wasn't super impressed, and I gave probably the most lukewarm recommendation to Foreman that I've that I've ever written up in the pickups column. Usually, I don't write up a guy unless I'm enthusiastic about him. He's got a great matchup coming up with Houston. I can't argue it. Somebody from Tennessee is going to score. Maybe two players in that backfield are going to score. Um, I'm not super enthusiastic about Foreman long term, obviously, but great matchup ahead against a defense that ranks next to last against the run. And the other guys that I mentioned, I'll just toss them out here. Uh, Boston Scott basically had the same workload as Jordan Howard. He is, uh, I understand if people don't want to roster two Eagles running backs, I totally get it. But I do feel like Boston Scott and Jordan Howard's uh, uh, roster percentages should be much closer together. They are not currently. Um, Wayne Gallman had like 15 carries. The entire game was garbage time for Atlanta. So I don't know what to do with that. But he was playing 
before the game was entirely out of hand. And he, I think he outtouched Mike Davis by like a three to one margin, something like that. It was, uh, it was not even close. So Mike Davis has obviously been a huge disappointment. Gallman perhaps coming on a little bit. And then I also mentioned, you know, Benjamin, um, that was a weird game too. And they just got stomped early. And so I think perhaps we didn't, we didn't see the full potential, you know, Benjamin workload. James Conner did find the end zone again in that one, but uh, obviously we have Chase Edmonds out. And so Benjamin could get interesting. I don't know. Make some sense of those names. want to give uh, the, the Fenway bark of approval. want to give some, <laughs> some props to the people who I, I do the 90 minute ask FFL segment while you guys are, while you TV stars are doing your thing. <laughs> and I got a lot of Ramondre Stevenson questions into week 10. So, you know, props to everybody who saw this opportunity, picked him up, wanted to play him. He looked great. And, and I, I feel like you know, he was long gone in our leagues, of course, you know, the 12-team, 14-team leagues. You know, he was already rostered. Um, I think what really helps Stevenson this week is that the game is Thursday. So, um, yeah, Harris, because Harris is going to have a role when he comes back. They like Damian Harris. And this could easily be a committee. It could be a hot hand situation. We know the Patriots, you know, Belichick would rather give you his, his ATM pin before he'd, he'd give you anything about usage or plans <laughs> or all that stuff. But this is a team that's coming on. The offensive line is playing really well. Uh, the Patriots are, are just playing really good football right now. I don't know what their ceiling is, but it looks like they're going to be a playoff team like Stevenson for this Atlanta, Atlanta defense is obviously a mess. They stopped the run pretty well against Dallas. Everything else Dallas did worked. You know, C.D. Lamb, I felt like he could have had five touchdowns. They really wanted him to do so. Stevenson should be rostered in just about every league by the time waivers runs. And unfortunately yeah. you may have missed his best game. This, this may have been the, the one time that he gets to play when Harris isn't in, in the offense, but Stevenson's a good player. And this can, this offense can support two regular running backs. The thing with Foreman is he's 11 years younger than Peterson. He's got fresher legs. The last two weeks, the Titans have had a touchdown run from Ryan Tannehill. And although Tannehill's a good athlete, he was famously a receiver in college. He's not, Somebody who you think of is, is going to he usually gets a handful of rushing touchdowns every year. So I don't I don't want to dismiss that out of hand. But eventually those are going to start finding their way into running backs bellies as opposed to Tannehill. So I think Foreman against Houston, you like Foreman because he's against Houston this week and because he's probably going to lead the team in carries. That's a currency. You know, he'll probably get 13 carries against the Texans. Maybe he'll do something. The thing about Eno Benjamin that shocked me. He didn't get any receiving run his first game yeah. where yeah. Edmonds got hurt, and I get it. So I thought, okay, well, this guy was a pass catcher in college, right? They'll incorporate that into week 10, and they didn't do it at all. Uh, Eno Benjamin did not do what I expected. I thought three to five catches were in play. In fact, I'm lucky I didn't come across an Eno Benjamin receiving prop because I probably would have hit the over, and that would have been as dead a ticket as you could have. So I don't really know what to do with him because I don't think the, the Cardinals really know what to do with him. Obviously, they haven't had their quarterback for two weeks if I were the Falcons, Wayne Gallman can't be worse than Mike Davis, right? I, I would I would give Wayne Gallman some run. Uh, Patterson didn't get a lot of touches in that game. I wonder if he might have gotten a little bit dinged up. Of course, as you said, the game got out of hand so quickly. I mean, it was 36-3 to three at halftime. It wasn't even 28-3 to three that long. We had barely had time to get the 28-3 Atlanta Falcons <laughs> jokes out. And then Dallas scored again on a block punt. And then just to add insult to injury, they went for two. I have no idea why they did. Maybe they were fearful that Matt Ryan would, would lead a spirit to come back and Dallas needed every point they could get. But... At this point, why not play Wayne Gallman? I, he's a good spec pickup. I do think Jordan Howard's better than Boston Scott, but Boston Scott's a good player. He's effective on those middle screens. He can easily get lost in the kind of in the shuffle and the trash. I don't know when Miles Sanders is coming back. And, and isn't it kind of funny how Philly has transitioned to they didn't want to run the ball at all when Miles Sanders was healthy. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. And then they've transitioned to a power running team. It hurts it hurts his playing well too. I mean, he's only got five turnovers on the year. So he's been pretty good. He's got a good thing going with Devonta Smith, although Smith never seems to get a huge amount of targets. But another backfield that can support two running backs is just I don't know the status of Sanders. So you have to check on that. Stevenson's the obvious get here. I like Foreman as a one-week rental. And then of everybody else, I guess Scott would be the next player I could be proactive on. And then Gallman, if you're in the deeper leagues, you're just looking to get lucky. You probably wouldn't play Gallman this week. You'd need him to do it in a game that was competitive. As you said, it's, what do you take from that game? Because Atlanta was out of it so quickly. Uh, but Stevenson's the guy to get, and Foreman is is the appealing one-week rental. 
there is a corner of the the football internet that is super excited about Foreman, and I'm not sure if that relates to collegiate production and expectations for him years ago when he came into the league. I'm not sure what it is, but I there are places where I feel like you could win a you could win a, a bid on him this week, and you should just put him right on the trade block because there's probably somebody who's super who's at least more interested in him than I am. Let me get your take on I I just brought up AJ Dillon's player page, and he's actually he's 72 percent rostered, so. He's out there for a handful of people. Give me reasonably. I, I think we have to expect Aaron Jones to probably miss the next two games ahead of Green Bay's bye. And then they come back in week 14 and it's probably Jones and Dylan again. So next couple of weeks against Minnesota and, and then the Rams. Uh, what are your expectations for Dylan? Easily a top 10 running back to the point that I don't think anybody yeah. needs to ask if they should start him or not. And what's encouraged me about Dylan? We knew out of Boston College power running back, right? but he didn't catch the ball at all. He's actually been capable as a pass catcher. One of the big salting away plays in that game was a 50-yard reception. So they don't view him as a zero in the passing game, which is encouraging. And when they get to the goal line, it used to be in last year, Aaron Rodgers was like, oh, we're at the goal line. I got to pad my MVP case. Where's Devontae <laughs> Adams? You know, where's you know, Big Bob Tunyon, right? Uh, this year, they're actually punching those in on the ground. I know Jones was scoring mostly as a pass receiver at the goal line, but Dylan was there. They're closer, they're power back, they're, you know, let, let's run up the middle and have everybody, this never looks healthy to me, or it never looks um, safe to me, but when that running back is trying to get in and his teammates start to push him in, you see that's yeah. kind of a hot play in the NFL now, everybody push everybody in, they're the bush push, whatever it is. So uh, A.J. Dillon's an automatic, I mean, he's, we throw out the phrase league winner, I think, too loosely as a fan, fantasy community, but if we found out Jones's injury was worse than we thought, it Hopefully it isn't that big of a deal. I mean, nobody likes to see the best players on the sidelines. A.J. Dillon's a top 10, maybe top five running back the rest of the year. I, I think everybody's going to be optimistic here, and I certainly am too. And it helps also Green Bay. Right now, the number one seed in the NFC. The defense has gotten better. And they never, for whatever reason, they like they kind of like Aaron Rodgers throwing like 260 a week. I mean, Rodgers isn't like he's throwing for 430 against teams, right? They're a balanced offense. It's like a it's like a, a combination of his MVP season and then and then the quarterback that he was the the few years before, right? Like he wasn't, you know, prior to last year. It's not like Aaron Rodgers was sniffing fifty touchdown passes in in recent seasons. He'd kind of settled into that like two sixty five and a, and a touchdown or two quarterback, and he would play flawlessly and never give the ball away, and that was great. Like that's really valuable. And then last year happened, right? And and this year is is a bit of a combination of the two, I think. But you're right; he's been mostly like a two sixty five and two touchdown sort of sort of quarterback. And I don't like certainly not a game manager. Again, he, but with the exception of the the you know the Seattle game, guy never gives the ball away. He's still a perfectly clean quarterback. Um, but you're, but you're right; they are they are willing to run the ball again at the goal line, which is which is refreshing to see. I fully agree with everything that you said about Dylan. And his value over the next couple of weeks, um, it is it is undeniably true. I, I basically agree. He's a, he's a top 10 running back um, whenever he is in line for a full workload. You also mentioned Green Bay's defense, man. The last, the last three games they've played, they have held Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson to a single passing touchdown. And, like, they have four interceptions during that stretch. So they are playing really well. And they're, they're without a couple of uh, key players, too. So they've been great. Yeah, without Jair Alexander, they're, they're shut down corner. Who would have thought to get the lowest scoring game in the NFL first half this year, we needed Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. It was three nothing at <laughs> halftime. And man, did Seattle, didn't that offense look like they just met five minutes before the game? Seriously. I mean, yeah. The most exciting thing Seattle did was have DK Metcalf get ejected and then try to insert himself into the game. game, do the Bobby Valentine. No way. Nobody knows I'm DK Metcalf. <laughs> even though I'm the biggest, baddest dude on the field. I'll just kind of sneak over here and, Oh no, no, I'm I'm uh I'm a fourth stringer. I'm I'm a special teams guy. Just just called in to play. <laughs> oh no, no, you're DK just, Metcalf. Get off the field. Just throw on the funny nose and glasses, but he's still got the blue hair trying to re-enter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely true. Uh, let's let's transition to quarterback. We didn't we didn't really have a major injury fantasy wise this week. Baker Mayfield did come away with a with a bit of a knee issue. I, I think he would have been able to play in a more competitive game. Um, the ads that I wrote up this week, and I, I don't know, I thought it was pretty exciting. I think it's a pretty exciting week at the quarterback spot. Um, I, I mean, we got to talk about Cam Newton, right? Like Cam Newton already this week expected to get nothing but. Uh, first team reps, his his first couple of touchdown or first couple of touches were uh, a super patient touchdown run. 
and then uh, a little short touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. That was great to see. Um, so Cam, in his own words, he's back. Um, he seems like he's fully back and he's going to start. He's got a great receiving core uh, at his disposal. So that's pretty interesting. I wrote up Justin Fields, too, um, because, oh, my God, did he make some throws on Monday night before the before the bye. Um so I think he's been very impressive. They've obviously, there are a handful of more uh, additional designed runs for him. That's pretty interesting. Again, it's not a high volume passing offense, but his next two matchups are Baltimore and Detroit. Those are super friendly spots. So I think if you need a plug and play guy, Fields is interesting. And then I, I think the other guys that we probably need to mention, uh, Tua, once again, re-entered the discussion. Um, he's got the broken finger, but he was playing through it because Jacoby Brissett went down. He's got the Jets up next. Mac Jones has Atlanta. Um, Mac Jones, obviously, playing really clean football, not giving the ball away, completing a, a, you know almost 70% of his passes. He was, he was absolutely great, almost clinical on, on Sunday. He was terrific. And then Daniel Jones gets a Monday night matchup with Tampa Bay, and often that is fruitful. If Daniel Jones ever once is able to play with his full receiving core, he might have a day. Excited about Fields for the proactive running. I mean, they, they finally, the last couple of weeks, started to implement things that play to his strengths. I thought he was terrific yeah. at the end of that Pittsburgh game. Now he's off a bye. You would think that he'll be even more comfortable. And this is not the Baltimore defense. Don't be fooled by the Ravens decals on the helmets. This is not a great Ravens defense. And you might want to play Fields the following week against Detroit, which I believe is a Thanksgiving game. So, you know, you can get incorporate him into your holiday plans. I'll approve Justin Fields. <laughs> I love that on this script it says Cam Newton WFT because he's playing Washington, but it could really easily be Cam Newton WTF. You know, here's Cam Newton <laughs> who brought Robbie Anderson back to life, right? Yeah, Robbie Anderson. We have to, I don't know if he's, if he's yeah. on the script or not. I guess he is. Um, I thought his season was over. I thought Sam Darnold had ended it, had put a stake through it. And, and here's Robbie Anderson making plays again. And I'm all for it. I love the fact that Cam Newton went back to a team he already played for and a team that he kind of was unceremoniously dumped for. And I don't know. I love, um, I like it when celebrity couples get back together, you know, I, I like these kind of reunions, you know, I, I would love it. I was listening to the Rob Lowe podcast, uh, which is, I found is, is just a terrific, delightful thing. Uh, he, he had a show with Bob Costas. That was great. And he was talking to Andrew McCarthy and they were talking about having some St. Elmo's fire reunion. They're all, all dinner together and they haven't talked, even though McCarthy hadn't talked to Lowe in several years, I guess McCarthy's mom's always like, how's Rob Lowe doing? So uh, <laughs> if, if Kim Newton can reunite with the Panthers, I don't see why the St. Elmo's fire group can't reunite. I, about 8% of our audience has any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, I like that you said Mac Jones has been playing clean football because, you know, two weeks ago, the big story was how dirty he was, right? He was pulling down that Panthers defensive line by the yeah. by the ankle. And, and, and Belichick's like, maybe he thought he had the ball, <laughs> you know, giving Mac Jones an excuse. But, man, Jones looks good. Hunter Henry is a touchdown every week. You know, Hunter Henry is the opposite of Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold will get you 60 yards and no touchdown. Uh, Hunter yeah. Henry will get you 15 yards and a touchdown. Um, playing the the type of football this team this Patriots team reminds me of a lot of that 2001 team man good defense they don't beat themselves Belichick knows the games are lost more than they're won in the NFL so if you want the 237 and two that Max going to get at Atlanta I'll sign off for that there's probably not a lot of upside there because they have a good running game I would think the defense will control things so you have to there's not a ceiling with Mac Jones but he's a very consistent player won't give the game away I don't know what to do with Tua. I know the Jets right now might be the weakest defense in the league. If not, they're one of the two or three teams you would talk about. But hard to feel good about the consistency. At least they get the mini buy, right? He played Thursday. Yeah. They get the extra time, the extra heel time. Tua also has goal line equity. He's not afraid to call his own number or to, to scramble up the goal line. So even if he plays poorly, he may bail you out with a rushing touchdown, which is something. But it, I can't get off. I can't get to Tua as a proactive pick. To me, the wild card in this is Daniel Jones because he's he's had some good games this year. He's had he's been the porridge, the, the Goldilocks porridge, right? Sometimes he's really hot, sometimes he's really cold, sometimes it's kind of lukewarm. The Giants have good skill talent. That skill talent is almost always hurt. Kenny Galladay's had a lost yeah. season. Barkley's missed most of the year. Tony, who is an exciting player, has been in and out of the lineup. Shepard, as we expect, has been in and out of the lineup. If you put eighty percent of those guys on a football field, I'd be excited about the Giants' offense. And Tampa Bay, man, they I know they stopped the run. Vita Vey is out for a few weeks, but their pass defense has been leaky all season. Yep. And they, they don't know how to stop Taylor Heineke. The rest of the NFL seems to know how to do that, but but uh, Tampa Bay doesn't know how. So Daniel Jones, I may be actually giving out Daniel Jones recommendations by the end of the week when I see what the Giants injury report looks like. Because you give, again, you give them even half of that, half of their regular nominal starters, and I'd be pretty excited. They, they have good skill talent. It's just right now, so many of those guys are, 
indefinite. We don't know who's coming back and who's going to be in uniform. Oh, and it feels like it's been that way all year with the Giants, right? We're, we're, we're waiting on like four guys and, and will any of them return? And sometimes none of them return and sometimes two of them return and it's, and it's a good thing. But you get beyond like the actual stars, the actual starters on that team, and it gets rough in a hurry. So I'm with you on Daniel Jones. Uh, if we just get a couple of these guys back, it, man, and, and maybe Shepard's the key, right? And we can talk about him a little bit later. Maybe Shepard's the key. But you get him back, and suddenly they can really move the chains, and they can pile up yards perhaps against Tampa. Um, give, me a, give me a rest of season ranking on Cam Newton. This is almost an like it's such a wild situation, right, that a quarterback can join a team in the middle of a season and we actually feel okay about it because they obviously have a deep history together. He's got existing rapport with a bunch of different Panthers right now. So it's not a situation that should particularly scare us. You know, he scores a touchdown on his first two touches, basically, uh, upon returning to the team. So give me a rest of season rough ranking. The big question with Cam is, is he going to run proactively and is he going to be a factor at the goal line? Because I think there's a reasonable chance that that could be in play. I, I still don't know what kind of passer he's going to be. He obviously wasn't a great passer last year, but he had COVID early in the season. He very openly said that he felt affected by that the rest of the year. The first number that popped in my head was 15. So I'm just going to say QB 15. Yeah. Yeah, it feels right. Um, I haven't, I haven't actually done a, a rest- very interesting backup. A very interesting second quarterback that maybe something pops and maybe you have somebody get you through a bye week to get you through an unexpected injury. And if it doesn't work out fine, you, you end up cutting him in a week or two. Yeah, he's also one of those guys who even in a even in a difficult matchup, because of what we assume will be a goal line role, um, he can, you know, he's almost he's almost matchup proof in that respect. Right. What a dozen rushing rushing touchdowns last year. No guarantee that he's going to fill exactly that role with Carolina, but he's been one of the most gifted goal line rushers of this generation. So I see no reason why he wouldn't. It might ding McCaffrey a little bit, but McCaffrey just looks so good uh, on, on Sunday that I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat that too much. Let's uh, Cam, let's say this. Let's say this. Cam Newton back up with benefits. Yes, absolutely. I will. I will fully endorse that. Let's uh, let's jump into the wide receivers. Uh, no, um, I, man, I hope I don't leave anybody out. I don't think there were any major injuries of note. C.D. Lamb did have some sort of contusion, but. I think the only reason he exited that game was because it was not a competitive game in any way. And he'd already scored a couple of touchdowns and uh, they'd, they'd certainly made their point. Um, the guys that I wrote up, uh, well, there's only one guy that I wrote a long blurb on, and that was Darnell Mooney, because I, I gave a pretty enthusiastic endorsement of Justin Fields. And so I might as well also endorse the guy who actually leads the Bears in targets, receptions and receiving yards. I think Mooney's been really good. Um, he's obviously one of those guys where like he has four, three speed and you, you see it in in games right it is evident that he is a very fast man so uh really impressed by mooney so far other guys i mentioned uh Kadarius tony is still out there less than uh less than 50 percent rostered so i i felt reflexively that i had to include him because i you know he's he's just an obviously explosive player who deserves to be stashed even if he is at the whim of uh of jason garrett Sterling Shepard don't know his health status right now as we speak. Um, he uh, obviously he's been he's been troubled by by hamstring issues throughout the season, throughout his career. It feels like, but when he plays, it's ten targets, um, and ten targets against Tampa would be great. Really, whenever he comes back, you have to assume it's going to be you know it's going to be to a full receiving workload, and uh, he he's just been absolutely great for PPR purposes. Other guys I mentioned, T.Y. Hilton is is still around 40% rostered. Didn't do much of anything on Sunday, but it was good to see him actually get through a game. He's got a terrible matchup coming up against Buffalo, so I don't know that I would recommend him as a start in the week ahead, but uh, perhaps as someone for your bench, he could be playable eventually. Uh, Marcus Johnson uh, somewhat randomly had a day. I didn't expect him to be the beneficiary of Julio Jones hitting IR, but at least for a day he was. You mentioned him earlier. Robbie Anderson is sort of back in our fantasy lives. Um, caught caught the touchdown pass. I think he had four receptions on the day. And anything that can give me hope with Robbie Anderson was was enough to squeeze him into the into the column. And uh, I mentioned DeAndre Carter as well, who I believe has six targets over 50 receiving yards and a touchdown in each of his last two games. Yeah, you mentioned Carter. You know, you say it was a clean injury week for receivers, and it was, but I was in the car middle of Sunday, and I heard that Terry McLaurin had a collarbone injury. Return was questionable, and my first thought questionable was— Questionable with a collarbone, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. collarbone. When your collarbone is mentioned, your season is almost always over. That's it. Yeah. You know, thank you. And um, as a 
a huge Terry McLaurin fan and somebody who, who really proactively went out and got him. And, and look, the, the football team has been a disappointment on both sides of the ball. They did also lose Chase Young in that game. I think he's, he might be up for the year, but I've, I've been waiting for McLaurin to pop. The fact that he actually came back in that game and had a couple of catches, I thought was very encouraging, but we'll want to see what his status is, how he's reevaluated. And that will probably have a big say in how you bid on Carter. Yeah, the thing with Anderson, right, is Darnold was so bad, obviously. I mean, he, he got off to a good start. He had some touch. I don't, I don't want to pile on the guy. I mean, maybe yeah. he's just meant, meant, not meant to be an NFL starter. And when you change things up, I mean, I think just changing to any quarterback may, may have had a positive effect for Carolina. But even if they can get – if Cam is anything close to league average or you know, a just a, a solid, productive – workable solution to quarterback. I think that totally reinvigorates Robbie Anderson. And I, and look, I would have thought he was the, you should have dropped him several weeks ago. I know I had shares of Anderson that I, I cut loose. I'm not even sure if I had corresponding ads at the time. I just thought, you know, I can't wait to wait. I can't wait for this picture to develop. It's going to take too long. I'm back in on Anderson. I still think he can get open. I still think he can run a, even though he's ostensibly a speedster, I still think he has a lot of diversity to his route tree. Of course, final say on that goes to Matt Harmon, who actually charts all that stuff and would speak to it better than I could. But I'm back in on Robbie Anderson, certainly with you on Mooney. Uh, he, his skills, uh, at this point, Justin Fields would like to see the player open more than assume that he's going to be open or anticipate yeah. it. And that plays to Mooney's skill set. With the Giants, it's a matter of who's healthy. You, you got to play the injury report and, and read the, the Joe Judge tea leaves with that. But uh, if Shepard or Tony had positive steps before you place your offers, I'd be totally fine with either one of those guys. I'm going to strike T.Y. Hilton. Don't trust him. Even when <laughs> it's man, talk about don't trust. I do not trust Carson Wentz. Leave it to Carson Wentz. Just when everybody wanted to use him as a streamer, or a DFS guy, he throws up a stink bomb against Jacksonville. And, and Pittman is spreading his wings. Pittman looks like a star to me. We know Jonathan Taylor, of course, has a big chunk of that offense, expanding his role weekly. He's a difference maker. I don't want any part of Hilton. You know, Marcus Johnson's interesting because when Julio doesn't play, he gets on the field, and Tannehill's a pretty good quarterback. I, is he going to get 8 to 11 targets? No. Is he going to have 5 to 7 targets, maybe 40 to 60 yards? I mean, he may be – think of how you feel about Hunter Renfro. Maybe Marcus Johnson can be that type of player. Houston's a good draw this week. So I could see him being somebody you you have while you ride out the Julio injury. And A.J. Brown's dinged up, too. I mean, he left the yeah. field for certain parts of that game, too. They haven't really found anything at tight end. Ferkser's kind of been a big zero this year. So I think Marcus Johnson's a stealth ad. I think Mooney's an obvious ad. I'm willing to welcome Robbie Anderson back to my life uh, for Carter. Get some more clarity on what's going on with Washington before you make a plan there. And I, I can't say yes to T.Y. Hilton. He's a hard no for me. Okay, that's fair. I accept it. Um, I understand it. Uh, even in his return, I think it was one catch. Was it five yards? It might have been five yards. And then he's got a daunting matchup coming up. So I get it. I wouldn't be too terribly aggressive on T.Y. Hilton either. Give me, give me just one player, kind of a, kind of a what if the situation breaks right sort of lottery ticket that you have stashed across multiple leagues right now. You actually already mentioned my guy. I've got, I've got Alexander Madison stashed in a whole bunch of leagues in which I do not have Dalvin Cook because we've just already seen what it looks like when Alexander Madison gets, gets 20 carries and it's, it's almost a guaranteed 100 yards. Like he's not, it's not exactly Dalvin Cook, but is he 90% of Dalvin Cook? Yeah, he probably is. So I've got Madison in a bunch of places, super versatile Super versatile running back. Um, who's somebody that you've got stashed everywhere? Well, I know you don't believe in the Taysom Hill rhetoric, so I'm, I'm not going to spin it for you. But I, one of any giant receiver would be fine for this. I also think Jeff Wilson at some point will get a, mm. a share of the San Francisco backfield. Now, of course, we're taping this before the Monday game. By the time you're listening to this, Jeff Wilson could have either gotten hurt or taken the NFL by storm. I have no idea which one of those things will happen. But I think eventually he's going to get a, a role in that backfield. Not that Elijah Mitchell's done anything to lose his place in line, but we know how Kyle Shanahan operates. There are a couple of guys that I like. Um, I also, if anything ever happened to Jared Cook, Donald Parham is ready to oh, be a thing. Great name. I, I, man, I want to see that guy play more. Um, he may be in, media, in shallow leagues, you're not going to pick him up. Maybe even in 12-team leagues, it might not be deep enough. But in, in leagues that go past that, you know, the fishbowl, uh, the Charles Robinson 20-team league uh, in, in honor of our friend Therese Paler. I have Donald Parham, and I'm holding with both hands in the deeper formats. Good names. Love it. And that's actually a pretty good transition to uh, to talking about the tight ends. I wish I had I wish I wish had a fresh batch of names for you at tight end. I really don't. Do. The, uh, the injuries that we probably need to mention here, uh, Dallas Goddard, 
with a concussion, um, was, was rolled out soon after Ricky seals Jones, I believe picked up a hip injury. Uh, so hopefully Logan Thomas can get back relatively soon for Washington. I only mentioned three guys in the column and I feel like they are, they are, there's at least two of these guys, uh, I mentioned pretty much every week, uh, ad nauseum and they are Dan Arnold, who is still sitting out there at like 26% rostered. This is like three straight weeks with, with 60 receiving yards for Dan Arnold, which is just, I don't know how, how many other tight ends are doing that. Are any other tight ends doing that? This is just a level of consistency that we have. We have not come to expect at the position outside of the absolute elite guys. So I'm not saying that Dan Arnold is some sort of elite tight end. He's obviously tied to an offense that um, it can be a rough watch, but he is getting volume, which we don't see very often with tight ends. And he is getting consistent production, which we don't see very often at tight end. Cole Komet has been a little bit of a thing uh, in the Bears, like with Justin Fields playing reasonably well. Cole Komet has has pseudo popped a couple times. And again, he's got Baltimore coming up. He's got Detroit coming up. Those are some pretty friendly spots. And uh, how can we not talk about Tyler Conklin, who we have talked about probably now for six straight weeks. Conklin finally finds the end zone, not once, but twice. He is also one of these guys who's seeing a little bit of sneaky volume. So I don't know. Those are the three names I have. You got anything better? Yeah, shout out to, to Lauren Carpenter, stepmom Lauren, who was on mm, FFL yeah. this week, who, uh, you know, you give her the floor. She can mention anybody she wants. And she mentioned Tyler Conklin uh, right in time with a two touchdown game. So that was a really good call. And you know, the great thing about tight end is the moment your tight end scores, he's already had a plus week for you. It doesn't matter. You know, in the case of Conklin, he didn't have a lot of catches, but you know, the one touchdown made him a win. The two touchdowns made him a hero. And that's what we're looking for. Darren Arnold is trying to follow the Jacoby Myers path to relevance, right? Yardage was good. <laughs> Couldn't score a touchdown. What did he do this week? Okay, he caught a two-point conversion, Andy. This is how it works. Yep. First, you're allergic to the end zone. So how do they break an end zone allergy? Try a two-point conversion play. Arnold caught it. He spiked it like he was like a, the long-lost Gronkowski brother. I mean, he really celebrated <laughs> that two-pointer. I think Dan Arnold's ready for a six-point play this week. And he's getting volume every week. I, as you said, there aren't a lot of tight ends who get volume. So I'm certainly fine with, with Arnold and Conklin are actually on a lot of my, ro- if you were to look at my rosters, I don't have a lot of the Kelsey's and Kittles and guys like that. I've been living that Arnold and Conklin life. I bet they're probably the tight ends on 80% of my rosters. So I'm all about <laughs> Arnold. I'm all about Conklin and leave it to you to, to promote everybody on the Chicago bears, man. I, I'm expecting Neil Anderson, you know, and, and Ken Marjoram <laughs> to come up. But uh, if you want Cole Komet, I mean, at least Fields is playing better. At least we're out of the Andy Dalton woods. So, you know, Komet will have 42 yards and no touchdown. If that does it for you, Andy Barons will sign off. Well, uh, yeah, you can you can basically see the way that I, I prioritize tight ends. I am I am one to chase targets and not to chase the touchdowns, which means that I have absolutely no Hunter Henry, which is looking like a loss, right? Like that's a huge L because, in fact, he's even though he gets like three, four targets a week, he's he's a touchdown a week, maybe two. He's their goal um, line back. He is New England's goal yeah. line back. It's Hunter Henry. Yeah, looks that way. So, you know, I'd been telling myself a story about how, man, if he doesn't give you a touchdown, it's two catches for 23 yards. You don't want that, except he always scores. But now he's no longer eligible. I'm I'm guaranteeing actually a a Hunter Henry touchdown on Thursday night. Oh, great. That's one less fearless forecast that we have to record this week. That's going to be it. I I hope I have tight ends. I'll say Hunter Henry, uh, two catches, 11 yards and a touchdown. In other words, (laughs) the same game he has every week. We could probably just record that now. Um, keep it generic and just rerun it every week. Play it in perpetuity. That is definitely what's happening. Absolutely. Well, hey, you know what? It used to be Hunter Henry couldn't stay on the field. So the, the Patriots are, have found the yep. sweet spot. You know, who are who are everybody who criticized the Patriots for getting Kendrick Bourne and Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry in free agency? Who's laughing now? That <laughs> that shrewd GM Belichick. You know who's who's la- while his opponent. You know while while Miami was you know was taking Tua over over Justin Herbert, and they were trading up for the the lesser of the Alabama receivers, it looks like. Not that Jalen Waddle still couldn't have a nice career, but the fact that they traded up to get him when Devonta Smith is playing much better in Philadelphia is kind of a condemnation of them. I mean, look, the NFL, right? The NFL draft is really simple, right? Nobody knows anything, so just trade down and get more picks. Get more bites at the apple. Get more swings yeah. at the pinata because it's so difficult to evaluate. I got to say, you mentioned Jalen Waddle, and this could be a, a podcast unto itself, but... The, the Miami's usage of Jalen Waddle is just amazing to me. He's got this like almost non-existent air yardage total, right? They don't Negative target him. Yeah, it's so he's odd, like, yeah, all these bubble screens, and I mean, he's like one of the five or ten fastest guys in the league, and they target him like four yards downfield every time. It is it is super frustrating, but it's you know they've turned him into a. a 
exactly what I didn't think he would be. He's like a pretty bankable PPR player who just never spikes. Speaking of Miami, did you enjoy, I think it was eight targets, no catches for Mike Gusecki? I did not Hard to enjoy do. that. Um, that performance is going to get me knocked out of, uh, I really enjoyed playing in, in Paul Charchian's, uh, guillotine league this year. I, I had a, I had a good team that just needed to make it through this week. Cause I had some, uh, some problematic buys. I had Joe Mixon, a couple of other guys and, um, Mike Gasicki was part of the problem and I'm going to get, I'm going to get whacked this week because of the seven or whatever you said, seven or eight targets, nothing, zero catches. But I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed TJ Hawkinson doing nothing on no targets, one target, whatever it was. Well, you can't trust. You can't trust anybody from Iowa. I thought you knew Ugh. that. I mean, AC Earl, Roy Marble, you know. I you mean, you uh, stop it. You can definitely trust AC Earl. You could you could always trust AC Earl. Give me give me a guy that you're dropping headed in headed into week eleven. Yeah, be nice because he's thirty six years old. Just just <laughs> gently place Adrian Peterson to the curb. Do not kick him to the curb. Do not shove him to the curb. Dante Foreman, Deonta Foreman, I've been butchering his name all week, uh, is younger, is probably ahead of Peterson for touches. And Peterson, as we know, doesn't catch the ball anyway. It's maybe a three-back committee, and maybe you don't want anybody here. But Peterson was chased up to 60 70 80% rostered at his peak. He's still over 50% right now. I see no reason why you have to carry him. I mean, again, if you're in deeper league and you just any running back with a pulse will do it for you, that's fine. But I don't see any ceiling for Peterson going forward. I've got a couple for you. Uh, number one, and this is not, you know, this is not some revelation, but I, 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 I sort of can't believe that Baltimore's deep. We've talked about Baltimore's defense a little earlier in the show. Um, I can't believe they're still rostered in 80% of leagues. And maybe that was, maybe that was just people picking on the uh, Miami matchup. I guess that's what it was. They, they, they did, you know, you could have looked at them a few weeks ago and said, oh, they've got a nice little string of matchups coming up. They give up, I don't know, every, every fifth play seems to be like a, a huge field flipping gain against uh, against Baltimore. I don't I don't think even in the friendly spots that remain on their schedule. I don't I don't think I can trust them. I think I would kick them to the curb and and not come back. And you may disagree on this, but I think I'm probably also done waiting on Taysom Hill. Um, we can only wait so long. I've got Cam Newton out there in a million leagues, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take a flyer on some quarterback who's gonna give me rushing stats, it's probably gonna be the guy who's actually starting at this point because I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't think Trevor Simeon loses that job off of the uh, off of the Tennessee game. And at some point we just have to say, OK, I, you know, I'm pro- I, I should be well past this point with Trey Lance and I haven't gotten there yet. Like you can only you can only keep a non starting quarterback for so long. And, and I might be at that point with Taysom Hill. Yeah. One prediction I definitely whiffed on is I thought that Simeon would play poorly against Tennessee and we would grease the reappearance of Taysom. Yeah. Hill. Hill did get involved in that game, but Simeon's played well for two straight weeks. He wasn't the reason they lost the Falcons game. He had a really nice rally at the end of that game. And then he played well. He played, you know, what New Orleans botched a couple of extra points. They easily could have won that game against a Tennessee yeah. team that we all know is pretty tough team to beat right now. So Simeon's played well enough that I'll sign up. Look, look, there are some deeper leagues where I'm still going to hold on to Hill because he it's a super flex format. If he ever did super get flex, a you're holding game. on for sure. Yep. Yeah. But in, in your standard league, uh, you have to give up the ghost to Taysom Hill in part because Simeon has played well. And, and man, wouldn't it be fun to see Deonta Harris get more than like three or four targets a week? That guy is oh. a walking splash play. But they yep. they just don't – nobody's getting peppered there. I mean they, they want to run the ball. They even turn Mark Ingram into a thing for a week. We'll see if that has any legs to it. But you're giving the right advice on Hill. I have to co-sign. All right, folks. That – is going to do it for this episode, but we're going to keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can follow me at Andy Barons. You should certainly follow him, Scott, at Scott underscore Pianowski. For fantasy news and analysis from the entire team, please make sure that you are also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott will be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab, who is always on a podcast somewhere for the betting preview of Week 11 in the NFL. Till then, we are out. We are out.